I'm Trent Norris, fund manager at Sterling Capital. And this is Michelle Nipko. I'm the podcast host, and welcome to the One Trade Podcast. Hi, Trent. Hi, everyone. So another crazy week on the markets with huge moves up, then back down. We're still on that roller coaster ride, but ending down for the week. And, you know, something I'm really seeing a change in, Trent, because you and I have been, I would argue we've been bearish for a little while now, but I'm really starting to see it in the mainstream media. This weekend, the headline on Bloomberg was $11 trillion and counting global stock slump may not be over. So that's what people are seeing when they wake up Sunday morning. So, uh, um, and also like we saw last week, B of A called the low of the S and P at 3000 hitting around October. So for us or for, for you, you, you listeners out there, does that induce you to buy or to sell? Right. It's, It's tough to buy when you're seeing that, like, because like we've talked about, do you buy the dip? Or do you or do you ride the wave down? And given these headlines, it's tough to call it a dip, I would say. So as we've talked about in the past, selling begets selling. The sentiment the sentiment has definitely switched to to bearish out there. Um, what are your thoughts, Trent? Well, you know, I would say that when that happens and we see a lot of bearishness, I guess I I can see that, and I I do see Mm -hmm. some of those articles, but I will say if we take a look at the VIX, right, the fear index, it's not spiking like March 2020. That's interesting. Right. And so I I still see a decent amount of, you know, people in the resource space or in the tech sector, I guess in some way um, still riding that slope of hope and maybe even some of them pumping whatever they are holding, right? Holding the bag and most likely stuck in. So I do see a lot of that on Twitter as well. Uh, but but we're definitely due for some type of bounce because we've pretty much just been going down right. straight, right? Since the end of March or whenever sure. that started. So yeah. fully expect that. I, you know, I was in puts and cash. Now I am in 90% cash as of now because I'm just, I'm just not sure exactly what's going to happen in the next, you know, couple of weeks here. Well, I'm, I'm never, no one's ever hundred percent sure, but I feel like I don't quite have a handle on it now that the market kind of had that squeeze that we saw on Thursday and Friday up. So I'm starting so to see buyers, mm-hmm. right. Come in and we'll see, but I, I just, once again, I, we're not going to change our tune on the headwinds that we see in the longer term here whatsoever. Right. It felt definitely, especially on Friday, like a dead cat bounce without the NASDAQ was up almost 4%. Right. And some of these stocks that have been hammered were up, you know, 10, 20%. Right. What's going on? But it, you know, when you've come, those stocks have come down so much, those feel like big, big percentages, right? But if something's gone from 100 to 8 and that goes from 8 to 10, <laughs> that's up 20%, right? But really, that's not very much when, it's, when you look at a relative sense when it came down from 100. So, right. But that those are the things, sort of things we're starting to see right now. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And so I think also to kind of mention something too that I noticed months ago is there was, so on mainstream financial media and on top podcasts, one of the picks, one of the hottest picks to be in, this was a few months back, 
was to get into mainstream bank stocks because it's kind of a known thing. When interest rates rise, the margins that the banks make on money go up. Sure. But here's the thing. If you pull up a, say, a six-month chart of JP Morgan, right, the largest bank, and look at its stock price, it's come down tremendously. The reason is, is bank stocks don't do well when we're going into a recession. Oh, Right. So they typically do well in a stable market when interest rates are rising, but the banks are seeing through that. And so that's another kind of indicator to me that, yeah, we're no way out of the woods here. They're anticipating defaults to increase, I would say. And that, that, that was a common theme just a few months ago on mainstream financial media. Oh, get into banks. Because interest rates are rising, they're going to make more money. And I was like, no, no, that's not necessarily correct. Because if lending stops, right, and they can't make their fees, and the economy contracts, banks are not a good place to be. Right. So that's just something, you know, to consider as well, these financial institutions being down. So, um, and then you also mentioned to me, Michelle, about Luna. So if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So... Within the crypto space this week, there was just a huge implosion um, between it, it's Terra is the the umbrella of UST and Luna, right? And um, so I'm not going to go into extreme detail about this because it's complicated. We don't have enough, we don't have an hour to talk about it. That's what it would take. And I highly recommend there's a podcast called Bankless that has a really nice podcast that explains all this. Um, but it was supposed to be a stable currency pegged to the dollar. Well, it became unstable, and there was a lot of uncertainty around it. So uh, institutions started taking out their money, and then pretty soon uh, everybody took out their money, and the valuation went to Luna. Uh, like it's, it's like 0. .000 something right now, where it was up around 100 maybe two weeks ago. And it went, it went from like 80 dollars to zero in 48 hours. Right. People lost, I mean, their life savings. There's, um, you know, there was some uh, suicide hotlines posted out on Reddit. I mean, it was, it's a really big deal. And people put their savings in there because it was supposed to be a stable coin and people were getting paid 20% yield as an incentive for them to invest in this stable coin. Well, um, it had an a- attack on it and it made, just made it very unstable and uh, went to zero. So um, huge deal in the crypto space. $14 billion in value lost in um, the UST, and then $50 billion in Luna. So these are wow. these are huge amounts. So, um, so, so I was researching this a little bit and thinking about it, and this is a, a really big deal. Um, and it got me thinking about um, the Great Depression and the run on the banks to, and and so I was looking into that a little bit. Now that was caused by the stock market crash, and banks were also investing in the market, causing a lack of liquidity when their investments went south. People lost confidence in the banks, and they wanted their money. They went in, they right. said, "I want my I want my dollars," and the banks simply didn't have it in reserves. And the press really fueled all this. I know you can't imagine the press doing that, <laughs> but mm-hmm. just kidding. But the press they fueled this public panic. And banks just closed their doors and people, they were the ones holding the bag, but the empty bag, they had had no money. And um, to stop this from happening again in uh, 
1933, on June 16th, President Franklin Roosevelt signed into law the FDIC um, government backing of deposits. So if you have $250,000 in a bank, it's backed by the government. Right. So that created this confidence, this certainty that people have with their money in the bank. So that won't happen again. So... Trent, what really concerns me is that the crypto market, you know, it's it's dollars, it's or not it's dollars, it's not dollars, but it's spending. People use it as a currency, but also as an investment. But there's no sort of backing like this. So if confidence is lost and something goes to zero, that money is just gone. And to me, that history, we, we can learn a lot from history, right? What what would stop it's like the big guys, the big uh, uh, Bitcoin from from doing that. Why is why doesn't it have that same risk? And you know, I, I love the idea of crypto. I just wanted to put that out there, right? I, I like the right. um, like in in general, right? I like a decentralized banking system, right? I don't like have this dependence on this big government sort of institution. I I, I like that concept, um, but. Uh, it just makes me nervous if you could lose all of it and and it's just gone, um, like happened to our banks back at that part of the, the Great Depression. I don't want you all to lose, and us too, to lose all of our money. So um, anyway, I just want to put that, that out there as a risk. And But I'm not an expert by any means in crypto, and maybe that's not a risk. So I'd love to hear from any listeners out there. If you want to email us at the one trade podcast at gmail.com, I'd be thrilled to talk about it the next podcast just to to hear about that. But but I just I just see a lot of red flags there because seeing the loss that people experienced from their money invested in this quote stable coin. Well, so. you know, Michelle, one thing that we're seeing and price action is king. So I do like crypto as well. And and a lot of my friends are Bitcoin maximalists where it's Bitcoin only type. And I definitely understand the arguments and I see it, but Really, price action is king for me, and mm-hmm. right now, it's not diverging from the stock market in general. So it's really linked. Oh, good point. It's really linked with the S and P five hundred, and the stock market going down. We see crypto going down, and so to me, right now, it's acting as just a high beta play on the stock market. And I do hope that at some point it diverges because I love the idea of a decentralized, you know, banking system something to exit out of the system. And I certainly sympathize with libertarian type minded people who are into that. Um, so Me yes, too. on that, if anyone wants to email us, welcome to it. So, and now at this time I was thinking we could take a little walk down memory lane on some of the dumbest things that the fed has said in the recent history. Okay. I think <laughs> it's time it. we, we need Let's to remind listeners and ourselves of some of these things. So, in 2007, Ben Bernanke said that subprime is contained. <laughs> okay. Now, we all know what happened in 2008. All right. In 2017, Janet Yellen said, I don't see a financial crisis occurring in our lifetimes. The, the arrogance of that statement right. to me is just so incredible because the markets are so powerful and us little peons don't have that type of control right over the markets also. And then of course, most recently Jay Powell for how long did he say inflation is transitory before he threw in the towel. And so this is the age old question. Are they lying 
or are they just plain ignorant? And so I'm going with they're ignorant and they usually, which makes sense, they usually err on the side of a positive outlook, right? Because it's politicized. Go ahead. Yeah, it's politicized. That's what I was going to say. I think it's political. Totally. Exactly. And so, so that's kind of, that's kind of what, what I, what I see. And so I just want to prepare us and prepare listeners kind of with what I think is going to happen in the future with the Fed. I think the Fed is actually going to look schizophrenic more so than they have in the past, because what I think is going to happen is right now they're hundred percent focused on price stability, right? One of their two mm-hmm. mandates. The other mandate is full employment. Well, when the full, when the employment piece of the right, the other half of the mandate comes back into play and people start losing their jobs, they're going to have to do a crazy balance act. So we're going to hear Fed presidents come out and talk about supporting employment plus price stability at the same time. And it is just going to get crazy, in my opinion, more schizophrenic wow. than we've ever seen them. And I really think it's going to look like chickens with their head heads cut off. <laughs> I have that visualization in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, so it, to me, I just want to prepare people for that because I think it's coming. So if, if we're contracting economically, right. And we're, we still have prices that right aren't stable that are high, then the, they're going to have to start playing both sides of this. Oh, or I so, not want that job. You could not pay me enough to do that job. No, no. So, Yep, on that rosy outlook. <laughs> uh, we're trying to be positive here. We're trying. It's just hard. So. Well, hey, you can make money on the downside, so. Yep, good point. Good point. So, um, Trent, given all that, let's hear about the trade of the week. Okay, so one industry that really is struggling and I think it's going to get way worse is the restaurant industry. And and let me explain why. So in a recession in general, we all know that restaurants don't do well. What we're experiencing now is way worse. We are, it looks like we're entering a recession in my opinion, at least the economy is contracting here. But what's crazy is typically in a recession, prices fall the cost of labor falls. Well, prices of food, right? Because of fuel and and, and things like fertilizer are going up so much, prices of food keep rising and labor costs are going up. So if the customers start to go away because of the economy and they have less customers, you're talking about a double whammy in the restaurant business. So I can't even imagine how most of these restaurants are going to survive. And so that's kind of one, one way I've played it now for months is I've used restaurant stocks. I've just bought puts on them. That's as, as, as you all know, that's a way to, um, go short on restaurants by using options. And there's one that particular that's worked extremely well for me and it's the cheesecake factory. So the symbol is cake and I've shorted it a number of times and I don't think I've lost once on it. I just, it's, I almost feel like, and, and I mean this with all due respect, I almost feel like I am a GameStop bro in 2020 or some crypto bro in 2020 who literally is just 
I buy the stock here or I buy the crypto here and it just keeps on going up. That's literally how it feels in some of these restaurant stocks right now. They are just continuing to fall and you can kind of see the path. In my opinion, the, the probability is more to the downside. So I think it's a great bet. It's a great, a great thing to bet against. And I, I hate I, to say that because I have friends who are in the restaurant business. I've been in that business. I do know how that business works pretty well. And it is highly intensive with labor and capital. And when you have these costs going up and then less customers coming in the door, folks, it's over. Trent, I, I'm going to do the counter argument of that. The counterpoint. If you lose a lot of money on the stock market, you want to have a big old piece of cake. Yes. So, and if you I'm have, <laughs> if you love the Cheesecake Factory and you don't want to bet against it, there are dozens of restaurant stocks. And I know most of them, and I've looked into most of them, are just, in my opinion, almost gimmies. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I was just kidding. Yeah. Because yeah. when I envision Cheesecake Factory, I envision these huge pieces of cake. Right? That's what they are. So yeah. It's like, what's something you want to do when you're depressed? You want to eat one of those and just, you feel terrible afterward. That's that a good point. So a maybe we shouldn't be shorting Cheesecake Factory because that's where everyone's <laughs> going to go when they're depressed. Everybody wants to. <laughs> All right. All right. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's working right now. I'm such a, yeah. Aren't I wise? There we go. I, I know, I know cake. Right. Well, and, and you know, the other thing too, if you want to put a little bit more thought into this, this shorting opportunity, look, most of them are located, right? The cheesecake, they're located in malls. There's going to be less foot traffic in malls, less spending, right? And so less, oh, hey, let's go grab lunch, you know? So there, there's that as well. I, like you said, Trent, I mean, these are fantastic people that have these businesses that work in the restaurant industry. And right. I just feel so bad for them because, yes. man, the, we went through the ringer with the pandemic, right? right. I mean, t where people couldn't gather and everything had to be cleaned and just, it was just a nightmare. So those that survive that now to have, uh, I don't know, a, a pending recession hitting, uh, and labor shortages and, and labor higher shortages. food costs. I mean, uh, I, I uh, heard restaurant owners are paying dishwashers 20 bucks an hour. Wow. What? So, yeah. I mean, you can crazy. imagine how Ooh. everything that's just been thrown at them. So man, totally. kudos to you. If you're a restaurant owner, you're made a steal. Good. Yep. <laughs> good for you getting through all this. Um, so sorry that we're saying, Hey, it's going to be a tough industry, but you could, I'm sure you would tell us right now it's a tough industry given exactly. all the headwinds that are there right now. So fill in for you. All right, everybody. Well, once again, who knows what's going to happen this week? We could continue up. It could go be going down. Uh, who the heck knows, but, um, there's always a bull market somewhere, but there's always a bear market somewhere. Kramer. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. Stay free. And that's the podcast. If you like the podcast and would like to hear more each week, don't forget to subscribe. And of course, we'd always appreciate a review. If you'd like to contact us to learn more about Sterling Capital or just to say hi, you can email us at onetradepodcast at gmail.com. Let's have a great trading week, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. And now for the required risk disclosure. 
The material in this podcast is presented solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any securities or any related financial instruments, nor should any of its content be taken as investment advice. One Trade Podcast accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss or damage of any kind arising out of all or any part of this material. We recommend you consult with a licensed and qualified professional before making any investment decision.